0: Subscribe to the Inside
1: Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or
2: wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Panthers and Maple Leafs 1-1 after two early in the third. Islanders and Capitals 1-1. Wild and Avalanche a little bit later. Oilers home to the Kings tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show here on Ched. Game at 7. Somebody wrote in earlier and asked for the Oilers' record against playoff teams, the teams currently in playoff spots. I just quickly, so I I hope I didn't miss a game or two. I got them at 19, 14, and 4 against teams currently in the playoffs. So uh, not bad. 19, 14, and 4, the Oilers against playoff teams. The... Hotline presented by Certainteed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainteed Pro all the way. I go there now, and welcome Curtis Stock back to the show. Curtis, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. 1991, eh? <laughs> That's my greatest memory of you.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you remember it. and I hope that wasn't my last winter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you, you went back to back 90, 91, 92. I don't know. I just I used to read your stuff all the time. I I, I liked the horse racing. I, I remember you were writing. I think you were writing a university weekly column when I was in yeah. university. So. Yeah. Yeah. I used to read that. So I don't, it's just one of those weird things that stick with you. It's funny because <laughs> y- you're now I'm kind of like you are about it because sometimes someone will say to me, like, oh, hey, Reed, you predicted that and you were like totally wrong. And, or you predicted this and you got it right. And I'll be like, really? I, I, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening tonight. Did you hear the Negative Nelly and Positive Pam stuff about the Oilers? And if so, yeah, which one are you?
1: Yeah, Pants, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, now it's Positive Pants. That's our new brand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which Which camp do you fall in about the Oilers? Like, are you feeling good or are you still thinking, I don't know, I don't like the problems they have sometimes?
1: Uh, I don't like the problems they have sometimes. I mean, they're uh, they're definitely the most exciting team to watch, but... Defensively, I don't know. I think you know. I think really. I think this game against uh, the Kings is gonna is gonna say a lot. I think that uh, that's a team they got to beat to get there.
2: Yeah, probably at some point. Uh, I like. I, I think the Kings would be a tougher matchup than Vegas for the Oilers. Now, famous last words, maybe, but just the the the, the, the Kings. They got better in the off season. They didn't have Doughty last yeah. year, yeah. And I think some of the Oilers stars realize that they got to get a little nasty in the playoffs to win, but yeah. you know, LA, I think already knows that,
1: right? Right. Exactly.
2: All right. Well, playoffs are going to be fun. We got you on for another reason. The new book is the Turcots, the remarkable story of a horse racing dynasty. I, when I have somebody on who's written a book, I always start with this question: Tell me about the the seed for this book. What the original idea <laughs> that you know sparked it? <laughs>
1: well, it goes back 20 years. Actually, I had the idea 20 years ago, uh, but when uh, COVID hit, I finally said, "There's no reason." anymore to put this off, and I started writing it. So it goes back a long time, but it's such a fascinating story.
2: So how long have you known the the Turcotte's? I mean, it's got to be most, if not all, of your
1: career, I would assume. God, yeah. I went and saw Ronnie in New York when he was writing in New York in the uh, early 1970s, so (laughs) I've known him for a long time. He lives in St. Albert. Uh, We talked lots. Uh, uh, Rudy uh, wrote here for a little while. I got to know him. Uh, Noel, I didn't know. And, uh, Roger wrote here. So I knew him very well.
2: Okay. So you have their full participation in this book because sometimes like I've had Jeff Perlman on the show and I, I know, I'm sure this is mostly a positive book, but like sometimes the subjects are like, I just, I just don't want to participate, but they, they're, they were fully uh, into this, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, a, you know, it's an unbelievable story. I mean, they went on to such greatness and triumphs, but uh, there's a lot of tragedy in the book as well, and uh, that's well detailed.
2: Um, so how... So you mentioned you had the idea 20 years ago to, yeah. to do this. <laughs> what, I, I'm curious, just kind of a behind-the-scenes type question, like, what is your writing process? Would you try to make it, like nine to five nine to noon I got to write how did you approach your day
1: Uh, I'd get up sometimes at four or five o'clock in the morning and start writing and sometimes I'd write till after midnight Uh, I didn't have a set schedule there was a lot of research that went into it and that's what took most of the three years for me to complete it
2: you would write literally all day sometimes uh
1: or close. Yeah, i take a break, but uh, a lot of times there's a lot of hours written and uh, a lot of hours of research, like I said. Um, some days it would only be a couple hours, you know, and you just couldn't do it, and there's no point in pushing it when you can't do it. So but it, uh, it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, okay, so I, so you're, you were doing
2: interviews as you're doing this and how much yeah. did you dig back into maybe stuff you had written 20 years ago or other stories people had written
1: oh lots i mean i went through hundreds of newspapers and uh, you know microfiche and uh stories and newspapers and google searches and um equibase uh yeah. it's uh, a horse racing site for statistics uh lots a lot of work
2: and I, 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 and do you have, oh, well, I know you have an editor slash fact yeah. checker, and so, I mean, they had got to dive into all this too, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the editor I used first for the first one was a guy uh, who worked at the journal for as long as I did, and uh, he was an editor, and we went uh, about seven days straight, about six hours a day, and then Firefly, which is the publisher, uh, they had have an editor, of course, and I worked with him. Uh, Darcy for you know for I don't know a month we're just was going back and forth so how is
2: that process because I assume if you write it and submit it you're feeling pretty good about it so is it a little bit of give and take or is it like if the editor says look this yeah. has to be modified you don't have much choice
1: <laughs> no no, we it, it was good there wasn't a lot of changes that had to be made there was a couple of you know suggestions that he made which were all good and uh, you know a couple of things that uh, it, it, was, it was give and take, and and uh, I think it worked out really well. The only thing that I didn't agree with was the title, but uh, it's the Turcottes, the remarkable story of a horse racing dynasty. I wanted to call it Triumph and Tragedy, but that was probably the only thing we argued about. Well,
2: I've noticed that maybe this is just the uh, the internet age and the attention span age, or the lack of it. Curtis, titles are getting more and more just explanatory
1: yeah (laughs) right yeah well that's what this
2: is
1: (laughs) so it is is a remarkable story
2: uh of course we want to direct people to the book and before we go we'll let people know where they can get it but you mentioned uh, can you sort of outline something you know tragic that the turcots uh, or one of the turcots had to overcome along the way here that's that's pretty amazing
1: well, all five of them uh, had problems. Uh, Ron Turcott, the rider, of course, is secretary probably, not even probably, definitely the greatest horse of all time. He was injured in a spill in 1978 in New York, broke his back, and was paralyzed and the ways down. He lives in a wheelchair. Rudy, Noel, and Roger were all alcoholics. Rudy died of alcoholism. Roger and Noel both took their lives. He was hurt in a racing accident and told he could never ride again. So um there's a lot of triumphs. they you know collectively they won 8251 races for purse earnings of just shy of 60 million dollars but there was a lot of tragedy too
2: wow well those numbers are amazing and and yeah okay so this will be uh, an interesting one for for people to die. so so but they were okay going over all of that eh? even the tougher stuff they they were okay kind of reliving it through telling you
1: yeah yeah for sure uh you know you've said that you know he 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 wasn't proud of what happened to some of his brothers, but he was proud of them collectively. And I uh, think, and, 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 you know, like the Turcotte name in horse racing is synonymous with greatness. And uh, they they were all great riders, especially Ron, of course. But Rudy, uh, many say that he was even a better rider than Ron. So... Ron was a leading apprentice rider in North America one year. Noel was a top rider in Canada. Ease was a top rider here. And uh, Rudy, he led the uh, standings up and down the Atlantic seaport.
2: Wow. Okay. So, Curtis, you you know this better than I do. I mean, you you and I have been lucky to spend most of our adult life lives covering sports. Yeah. And but you know, a good story is not just a sports story. It's a it's a people no. story, and that's what this is. And and it's a family Absolutely. story. Like. And how yeah. much. How much, like, like is horse racing, because it seems to me there are a lot of families in horse racing, and is it still as family-oriented as it used to be? You know what I mean?
1: Well, there's, I mean, uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, you know, once you, I think once you get horse racing in your blood, it's there. And a lot of people come from, you know, racing backgrounds. They don't just, you know, become an accountant one day and then say they're going to be a trainer or a, jaw or a jockey. You know, it's 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 bred into them. You know, like I said, like once once it's in your blood, it's there. I've been I've been a fan of horse racing going back, you know, like 50 years. So. Yeah.
2: Okay. So it's called the Turcots, the remarkable story of a horse racing dynasty. And Curtis gave you the breaking news of what he wished it would have been called. Uh, how
1: can people <laughs> get their hands on it? Well, it's available on Amazon right now. Well, it'll be in bookstores in the middle of April. Um, there's three book signings. I've got one, uh, on, uh, opening day of the thoroughbred racing season in Edmonton, which is Kentucky Derby day, May 6th. Uh, that's at Century Mile. I've got one at Audrey's Books on May 13th and another one in Calgary at Century Downs on May the 20th. Well, that's incredible. Well, when you're
2: at Audrey's, you're gonna like focus on the signing. I know you can get in there and browse for hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I hope somebody shows up. <laughs> oh, I think people will show up. Well, tell
2: you what, uh, we'll we'll have to email me those or text me those dates so I can plug them too, closer to. Because this is a great. I want to read this when, uh when it comes out uh, as well. This this will be great summer for uh, reading for me. Hopefully, after positive Pam gets her way and the others are deep into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, Curtis, keep in touch, man. You're welcome on this show anytime. Okay, well, thanks for having me. That is Curtis Stock checking in. Uh, great sports writer here in Edmonton for many, many years. And, yeah, the book is The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty. Like you said, it's on Amazon right now, and uh, you'll see it in bookstores mid-April, and uh, we'll keep you updated on when his signings are that he just mentioned. Love having uh, Curtis on the show. This is a great story that he told, too. Okay, we'll get a little bit uh, more on the Los Angeles Kings, the Oilers' opponent, tomorrow in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Austin Matthews has his 37th of the season. Leafs lead the Panthers 2-1 with 11-12 left in the third period. Toronto shooting. Florida 38-20. Islanders and Capitals still 1-1. That's with eight minutes left. Wild and Avalanche will start at the uh, top of the hour, and the Oilers play the Kings tomorrow on 6:30. Chad face-off show at 5:30, and the game will start at seven o'clock. Uh, good chat there with uh, Curtis Stock. The new book, The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing uh, Dynasty. Well said, Kelly Rudy on the show. Uh, good messages from you as I went over my brunchin with uh, Positive Pam and Negative Nelly about what uh, they think of the Oilers' playoff fortunes. I went to the uh, rink today as the Kings skated, and I had a chat with Daryl Evans, former LA King, now with the Kings Audio Network. Well, Daryl, good to see you again. Coach Todd just spoke. He didn't want to talk about the standings. We can. What a race. I mean, these, these three teams at the top, they just... Never lose, I guess,
0: except when they're forced to play each other almost. Yeah, it's been a real incredible run, uh, you know, basically for about the last four to six weeks. Uh, the t- three teams right now that are battling for, for top spot have uh, been very consistent. Um, like you say, other than the times they meet each other, you know, somebody's got to lose one of those games, but uh, it's consistently they're winning. They're, uh, you know, they put up some great streaks, they're getting some great individual efforts, and uh, they're par- preparing themselves for, uh, you know, for the stretch run going down and then getting into the postseason, which potentially. There's all kinds of different scenarios that could line these teams up against each other. Yeah. Well, and LA is interesting, and I kind of
2: referenced Todd with this too. There were times earlier in the season where the, the thought with the Kings was, and I'm curious what you would, you're you going to say because you're there. Well, the goaltending's not quite good enough. You know, they're, they're winning, but look at the goal differential. It's actually not that great. But, but they, I mean, they kept winning. I mean,
0: ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't matter how you're doing it, right? Yeah, I think you know when you go back to the beginning of the year, you look at what's happened the last couple of years. The addition of uh, Arvidsson and Dano, and you know, and Adler uh, definitely added a little bit more impact offensively for them. And then this past offseason, the addition of Kevin Fiala, and I think the Kings kind of you know looked at their team just on paper and you say, okay, we're capable of scoring a lot more goals. Adrian Kempe last year had 35 goals, and a couple of the young guys were you know starting to kind of cut their teeth a little bit. And then I coming into this season, I think the Kings. Uh, you know they just kind of had to you know understand who who they were and you know the type of game that they had to play um, you know they uh they're they playing a lot of high scoring games but they were giving up a lot and you know the the cloth of this team has always been you know tight defensive hockey and i think you know, one of the ones that probably paid the price the most was was Jonathan Quick early on. Uh, you know, the non-structure that they were playing with. He's used to playing with so much structure in his game. So I think the Kings, uh, you know, on that road trip when they went into Boston and got the win in Boston after giving up six goals in the third period against Buffalo, I think that was where they hit a fork in the road. And uh, Phoenix Copley was in goal for that game. and played an outstanding game um, and then the the team really dialed into playing defensive hockey. They went on a run and I think in the month of December if I remember correctly they gave up the fewest grade A scoring chances, the fewest slot shots and they blocked the most shots in the league. So when you put those together you're gonna have some success and, and I think they still also found that they're still capable of scoring a lot of goals. You know, you're in a better position. And now as we get a little further on in the year, you know, here we see Kempe, 36 goals. establishes a new career high. Uh, Gabe Velarde's got 23 goals in the season. They've got 520 goal scorers. They've got guys contributing from back in the blue line. So there's a lot more offense coming, but it's all from playing structured of hockey. And uh, so they're all getting their share and everybody's bought in. They're paying attention to detail. And then the goaltenders have been the, you know, the biggest recipients of the structured play Uh, both Copley and Corpus have done an outstanding job They're two big presences in the net they control the puck well and uh, they've they put up some real good numbers okay so I want to I always love when you take me back to your playing days
2: when you got a late season game against another team that's playoff
0: bound and a team you might play was there any was there anything extra in it you know well, I, I think, you know, games at this time of the year, I mean, you know, these two teams, you know, are, are going to jockey for a position. I mean, any, they any, can go anywhere from one, two, three, four. I mean, it's like, it, it's crazy. I mean, there's still enough hockey left that, scenarios can change so much but i think in the back of your mind uh, you still look at potentially this could be a matchup um, you know especially these two teams even though they haven't played each other you know for a while this season it doesn't take you know too much to go back and remember you know what happened last year you know basically at this time of the year and you know things there's changes being made on both sides so how is that going to change the outcome of what happens this year potentially that comes up so it'll be interesting to see, but I think, uh, you know, you approach these games just like, you know, any other game. Uh, it, there are two big points and, you know, two teams that are playing very well that have gotten points on a consistent basis. So they're going to push to keep their game at its highest level. And again, it's not where you're backed into a corner right now where it's, you know, whoever wins tomorrow is, is, you know, is finished or goes on. The other one's finished. Uh, you know, you're still going to uh, lift to breathe another day, but, uh, but you, you, this is also part of the, of the chess match, you know, you learn a couple of things that if potentially do come up, what are some of the things they're doing differently now than they did maybe earlier this season or last year when they when the two teams met up in the playoffs. So there's a lot to be learned, a lot to be gained. Uh, again, both teams have a lot of different personnel on their teams that weren't involved in that in that battle last year. So, you know, you've got to bring them in and get them to understand what's at, what's at stake.
2: Okay, and last one, Oilers power play has a chance to set a league record for percentage. So put yourself in Coach Todd's shoes. Are you saying we got to work on our penalty killing? <laughs> or are you saying just don't take a
0: penalty? Well, that's the key to a good penalty kill. Is you know you limit the opportunities. And even though last night I look at the you know the statistics from the Vegas game, and you know the Oilers only did get three power plays, but they scored three goals. And you know I go back to the game before for the Kings, they had four power plays at the beginning of the game. They scored four power play goals and only four shots on goal. So there's no doubt that these power plays. And we'll talk about Edmonton because you know they're number one in the league, but the skill that they have in these power plays is incredible. Uh, it's there, there's no doubt about it. So many guys shoot the puck so well. There's so much traffic in front of the net. So the key will be stay out of the penalty box, you know, limit opportunities. And then how willing are, you know, is a team willing to get in the shooting lanes, you know, to block shots? Uh, the Kings have been pretty, you know, resilient in that factor. A lot of guys have sacrificed the bodies through the course of the year. And, you know, and another key to a good penalty kill is getting pucks out on the initial attempt. The Kings gave up a power play goal against Calgary last night, and they had two opportunities to get it up before the goal was scored. So those are the little things you know it's again you got to respect all the skill and the shooting ability of the players on the other side but things that you can control are being able to get a puck out or you know doing do little things so you gotta you gotta pay attention to detail you cannot you know take anything for granted like if you got a time to get it out you got to make sure you get it out but it'll be interesting to see that way the way that matches up and of course you know your best penalty killer's got to be your goaltender. He has got to be good uh, you know against a, a real hot power play you want to make sure that you know you make the initial save and then you hope that you get help from your defense and the other players around to clear pucks out of harm's way.